0: Hi everyone, and welcome to episode 130 of the Professional
1: Book Nerds podcast, presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hi, Adam. Hey, Jill. What's up? You? Oh no. What? How are you? <laughs> I have no idea what just happened right now. I messed up. I you said how are you? Well, I said it. Hello. How are you doing? You're giving me a stink eye. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm doing well. It's are fine. You, are it's you fine. doing well? I'm great. <laughs> Should we both keep talking at the same time? Podcast listeners love that
0: uh so tell us about today's episode
1: i can do that so today's episode is an interview i did with author dory Shafrier. and little backstory i've known about dory for a while she writes at buzzfeed she worked at gawker media network for a while um and in addition to writing for buzzfeed she's the senior tech writer there uh and in addition to that She also is married to a guy named Matt Myra who works at Nerdist, and he's a writer in Hollywood, but he does like 75 podcasts for Nerdist that I've always listened to, and Dory and Matt have a podcast together. So long story short, I listen to their podcast, and they take listener questions all the time, and somebody talked about the fact that they had, at the time, pre-ordered Dory's book on Overdrive. And they said, oh, that's really interesting. That sounds really cool. And then they talked about Overdive for a minute. And I was like, you know, it would be a good idea to reach out to them. So I went backwards from what we normally do. Normally we get set up through publishers. Yep. This one I got, I just sent them, I sent an email to their podcast. I was like, hey, here's who I am. We also has podcast." And um, she was super on board, came uh, on and chatted with me about her book, which is called Startup. Uh, it shouldn't be a surprise, as the senior tech writer for BuzzFeed, the book is very much—it's kind of like a office space meets Silicon Valley, the TV show type of a book. So there's a whole bunch of different. Works for me. Yeah. I'm good. There's a whole bunch of different stuff about a, a startup company, and she talks a lot about the book in the podcast. But um, yeah, it was it was cool uh, to get to. I love getting to interact with people who I also listen to on podcasts. Right. That's fun. So um, yeah, I, I think you guys will. Very much enjoy it. Her book is its called Startup. It's now out. It's been all over the place. Obviously, BuzzFeed promoted it pretty heavily. <laughs> Good job by them promoting their own authors. Uh, but it's been on, like, best of lists all over the place. I think we actually put it on our best books of April when it came out. I so. think so. Yeah. I think people will enjoy it. Um, and at the time of, that this comes out, you and I are still in Chicago. Yes, we are. We are we are coming to you from the future, or the past, depending on how you look at it. Um, Time travel is real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, hanging out in Chicago, doing a bunch of interviews. So uh, if people want to get a hold of us or follow our adventures on social media, how can they do that?
0: They can find us on Twitter at ProBookNerds, and they can email us directly at professional at at overdrive.com.
1: Yes, they can. And I also want to do a really quick promotion for Overdrive's new app Libby. Uh, so Libby is the newest version, it's the newest Overdrive app that you can use to go borrow ebooks and audiobooks uh, from your public library. So if you're using the Overdrive app and you want to try a new experience, check out Libby. If you're not using the Overdrive app but listening to our podcast, thank you, but I think you're in the minority. Uh, so go download Libby, check it out. It is the one tap reading app from Overdrive and we got it was created after uh, you know thousands of people's feedback, um, both library and, and and readers as well. So, I personally think it's an incredible experience, and I hope people will will check it out. Um, as of this coming out, it's been a, it's been live and out in the wilderness for about a, a week, and we're getting some really great feedback. So, I hope you guys will check that out. I think is that all the housekeeping we need? I
0: think that's everything.
1: Wonderful. Okay. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoy this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. <laughs> Hi everyone, this is Adam again from Team Overdrive, and today I'm joined by Dori Shafir, debut author of the novel Startup, which which is now available from Little Brown. Dori is a senior tech writer at BuzzFeed News and has worked at major publications including The Rolling Stone, The New York Observer, and Gawker Media. Dori, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Uh, So, before we kind of dive into all the things that make up your life, can you first give our listeners an introduction to your book, Startup?
0: Sure. Um, So, Startup takes place in the New York tech world, and it centers around three main characters. One of them is a 28-year-old company founder named Mac McAllister, and as the story begins, he has to raise money for his mindfulness app, and he quickly gets caught in a sexual harassment scandal. Um, then another character is 24 year old Katya Pasternak she is a reporter for the leading tech blog um, tech scene and she is the one who uncovers and first reports on uh, Mac's scandal and the third character is a 36 year old woman named Sabrina Blum who gets kind of caught in the middle she works for Mac, she's married to Katya's boss um, and events sort of unfold from
1: there. (laughs) (laughs) So the thing I I really love about startup is that it hits on so many different areas that I think people can relate to. I mean, obviously, I work at a tech company, so I was drawn to it immediately. Um, But, you know, people who work in offices, there's always inner office drama, whether or not they're, you know, scandal level issues like that. that. That's one way or the other. It doesn't always happen that way. But on top of that, you know, so many people of all ages really can kind of feel like they're swept up and the ever-changing tech world, and um, I think there's someone and something that just about everyone can relate to in this. So when you were writing it, did you always know that you wanted to have a couple different viewpoints, or did that just kind of work as the the story was kind of coming to life for you?
0: I always knew I wanted to tell a story from multiple perspectives. I really love books that are told from multiple perspectives and thought that would be a really fun way to get at the story.
1: And Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, that's it. That's all. Okay. <laughs> um, did you always uh, intend on, um, you know, kind of using the, Sil- well, not really Silicon Valley because it's it's set in New York, but, you know, the show Silicon Valley and kind of the admitted absurdity of tech companies and just the general ridiculous ridiculousness overall, was that always something that you felt you wanted to share with the world?
0: Um, I mean, I wouldn't say always, but... Certainly when I set out to write the book, it was at the forefront of my mind, for
1: sure. And for you, what was the writing process like? I know, you know you're a journalist, so you spend pretty much every day uh, researching and writing for publications. And you know, how did Startup come along? Was it something that was originally just sort of like a, an evening and weekend passion, passion project? Were you kind of taking sabbaticals? I guess just maybe take us through your writing process.
0: Yeah, so um, it started in January of 2015. Was when I started working on it, and the reason I started working on it is because um, at the time at BuzzFeed, I was in a very managerial position, and I wasn't doing any of my own writing and. I was getting a little frustrated and was like, well, I think I kind of need my own project, but I knew that I wasn't going to be able to do that at work, so I decided to um, write every day for a month, Um, and that month was January, so it was sort of a New Year's resolution kind of thing, Mm -hmm. Um, and I wrote in the mornings. I can't really write in the evenings, Um, and I wrote every morning for 30 days, 31 days, And at the end of the month, I had 60 pages of this story that had just sort of almost taken on a life of its own. Um, And, you know, when I set out to write, when I set out to start writing every day, I said to myself, okay, if no one ever sees these pages, that is totally fine. Like, the whole idea of the project was to just sort of like get my creativity kind of moving again Mm -hmm. and so i mean i no one was more surprised than i was (laughs) that i had 60 pages and so i showed it to one of my good friends here in los angeles um and she and i had kind of been talking about doing a little you know two-person writing group um but we we hadn't really gotten it off the ground and i said would you read this um And she did, and she really liked it, and she was like, keep going. And then I showed it to my agent, who, um, you know, she was my agent, but I had never, we'd never sold a project together. And I think she she mostly sells nonfiction, and I think had just always assumed that I would write, like, a book of essays Mm -hmm. or a memoir or cultural history or, you know, something like that. (laughs) Right. Um, more along the lines of what I had been writing as a journalist Um, and I emailed her and I was like I've been working on something, it's fiction (laughs) Um, and she was definitely surprised but um, was like I'd love to see it Um, and I sent it to her and she kind of had the same reaction like she was like oh I like I like this, you should keep going with it Um, yeah and so that sort of got me started and then I was I would still work on it in the mornings I would work on the weekends I used like most of my vacation time to work on it um so yeah I was sort of stealing time here and there
1: Mm -hmm. and you kind of brought this up but I feel like as someone who is writing you know nonfiction, and you're very much you're covering you know media and you're you're interviewing people and you're uh, you know doing these different highlights on, on other people's lives I imagine it was pretty refreshing to be able to not have to worry about um, getting you know factual data down about other people's lives but as a change you could just kind of let the creativity flow was it a different sort of of writing for you as someone who spends kind of every day working writing about sometimes other people's stories
0: yeah for sure I mean. You know, I love writing about other people's stories. I love getting to know people and kind of figuring out what their stories are. Um, but this was a whole new and exciting experience for me. Um, definitely, at first, it was like truly exhilarating. It was like, oh my god, I can make all this stuff up. It's so <laughs> cool. Um, and then gradually I think the novelty of that wore off and it was like oh I like this is really hard I need, to, <laughs> I need to actually write a story and you know you can't just kind of sit there and invent characters all the time like there has to be a plot um and that was one of the biggest challenges for me as someone who you know as a journalist you're not making up the plot you're you're telling the plot and you're mm-hmm. figuring out the best way to tell the plot but you're not actually making up the story. Um, So there is a huge difference there. (laughs) And, you know, as a fiction writer, you have to both make up the story and figure out the best way to tell it. So um, that was definitely a challenge for me.
1: You kind of brought up something that I am always interested in when you talked about creating new characters. So... I like to tell people with all these different interviews that I get to do with all these authors. In my mind, I feel like I'm always just kind of collecting information. like I have I love having knowledge about these different authors and things like that that I can either you know convey to another author when I'm talking to them or I can use you know in my own writing not to you know, recreate a person that I, I've met, but um, did you find yourself as you were creating these characters, putting, maybe little quirks or things that you've learned while you were doing um, you know, profiles on other people? Did you find yourself putting little aspects of other people's lives into the characters you were creating?
0: Um, I would say I did that consciously. Like I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to make this person seem like John Smith or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think because I was writing about a world that did feel very familiar to me that just by nature of being familiar with that world aspects of it got into the story for sure and that probably extends to you know quirks or (laughs) characteristics of some of my characters um but I always I feel like I always need to be very clear that like none of the characters is actually based on a real person and it's not even like they're composites of real people like they're made up people um, you know they may feel familiar to people and in fact I've had people especially people in the startup world like text me or tweet at me and be like oh my god I totally know who Mac <laughs> is or something and I'm like that's funny because he's not actually based on a real person and they're like, oh my God. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I guess it's good that people think that some of these characters are quote unquote real if they feel authentic, but they are definitely not based on real people. It's
1: it's so funny you say that because like I said, I, here at Overdrive, like we we are a tech company and if you ever were in Cleveland and came to our office, you would be like, oh, your office... Is exactly what someone thinks is a tech company. You know, we have like ping pong tables and foosball tables and all these open floor concepts, and it's a beautiful place to work. But when I when I watch a show like Silicon Valley, or when I read your book, I did the same thing. It's almost like if you're if you're in this world, it's you start laughing and then you stop laughing because you're like, oh my god, that is so spot on with the way that people <laughs> react. So I just wanted to, I'm I'm curious. You know, you said you're you're very clear that you know, you, you make sure to tell people, these are not real characters, but you know, working at you know at BuzzFeed I imagine the office is very much the same way. Did you have do you have a lot of people around the office who who maybe read the book and were like, Hey, wait a minute, are, are these based on any one of us around here?
0: No, I mean I think I think if you work at Buzzfeed, like especially if you work at Buzzfeed, you know that the characters are not based on people. I think it's possible from the outside people who have not worked at BuzzFeed might assume that some of them are based on people but I think internally I've never I've not gotten like
1: mm-hmm.
0: oh you totally fictionalized so and so
1: I'd be remiss if I didn't ask because if everyone in the world has something they love about BuzzFeed so are are the offices there are they as fun as you know that it, it looks like they are on all the shareable videos and everything that gets created there I'm, I'm assuming it's probably very much like any other publication but from the outside looking in it definitely looks like a very special place to work so is it as great as it appears to be from the outside
0: um well it is definitely not like other publications it might be like other startups but most of the other publications i've worked at are not do not feel like buzzfeed like buzzfeed definitely feels a lot more fun um and there's a lot more free food <laughs> 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 yeah so yeah but to, i mean yeah i don't know exactly what you see from the outside but uh-huh. it is it is a fun place to work
1: that's fair I, maybe that might be a tech thing by the way the free food because we're always getting sent free food and there's always stuff it's almost like you have to avoid sure. all of our cafes
2: totally
1: um While at BuzzFeed, you've written so many profiles on people from authors, songwriters, actors, designers, everything in between. Do you have an interview that stands out to you as, like, the most memorable or maybe the most rewarding profile you've ever written? Oh. Hmm. Um, gosh. Um, I wrote... I
0: mean, I don't know if I would call it rewarding for a second, (laughs) but I wrote a profile of um, an Instagram star yeah, must have been like two years ago now mm-hmm. um, who had gotten famous because for putting his hair in a bun and <laughs> became this kind of like Viking hunk.
1: Artist. Oh I think I, I think I remember who you're talking about actually. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um I mean he was a, he was a perfectly nice guy. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that like anything he said was particularly, you know, incredibly profound, but like <laughs> The profile itself was super fun to write. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, so that was that was really fun. Um, it's always fun to, like, figure out what makes someone who's at the top of their field tick. Like Diane Warren, for example, who, you know, who wrote so many of the iconic songs of the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. And when I profiled her last year, um, she was in the running to win an Oscar for a song she'd written for Lady Gaga for the... Um, what was it called? The Hunting Ground? That documentary? Mm-hmm. Um, and she ended up losing the Oscar. But that was a really interesting profile to do. Um, I profiled Steve Madden, which was really interesting. Um, I profiled the author Angela Flournoy, who... I loved her book, The Turner The Turner House. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was super generous with her time I got to go to Detroit with her which is where the book is set and that was that was really interesting to like talk to someone who is definitely on their way up
2: mm-hmm.
0: um and Michael Shabon was also super rewarding yeah. as someone who's been you know he's been writing fiction for 30 years and has written many bestsellers and is just also like a super nice guy and it was it was like very fascinating to just get inside his head for a few hours.
1: I that's some of a, honestly that's what I tell everyone is my favorite thing about getting to chat with authors is like they're um, you know all the incredible books you guys write aside like it's so wonderful to meet someone and it's almost it's silly to say it, but it's like learning that someone is a real person. Um, we got to talk with George Saunders who same thing he was incredibly gracious with his time and it was. First, he was talking about Lincoln and the Bardot, which is you know his incredible book that he wrote recently. But then just all of the, just hearing him discuss different aspects of his life that had nothing to do with writing, and it's, you hear all these like wonderful things about these people. I imagine when you're doing all these different profiles, kind of the same thing happens: is you know you're there to write the story about what makes them who they are, but you learn all these idiosyncrasies and intricacies of their lives that really makes them the person that they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um I have a I was wondering if you have any thoughts for aspiring writers, because we have a lot of people who listen to our podcast that you know have aspirations of, of writing a book someday. And uh you know when writing when you're writing and you have an idea and the words are kind of just falling out of your brain, like you talked about when you first started writing startup it was exciting and it was fun and and then you kind of realize like all right well more this is more than just creating new characters i actually have to create a plot for it and i think a lot of people tend to hit that mental block and then they just sort of give give up and so as someone who not only has written a book but who writes for a living you obviously don't have that capability to just give up or else you know you're not going to make any money so how do you push through writer's block
0: I mean, I'm sighing because it's like, <laughs> it, it's, it's something that affects everyone. Like, I think you have to be lying if you say you never, um, experience writer's
2: block. Yeah.
0: Um, but I will steal slash modify a saying that I've heard a bunch of times, um, about writing and just about any project in general, but you know, it's that like done is better than perfect, uh, or you know, just finish something mm-hmm. essentially. Um, I think that a lot of writer's block stems from feeling like what you're writing isn't good enough or your ideas aren't good enough, um, and. That was why I set the goal of writing every day for a month and not worrying about what kind of came out of that because I was setting the bar for myself super low. Like I think the the challenge is to not set the bar for yourself for not to set the bar too high um, because that is what I think for a lot of people um, prevents them from producing. Um, And especially when you're just getting started, the important thing is to just write. Like, you can go back and edit later and change things, but the most important thing is to just get something on the page. Um, So I would say if you do have writer's block, and your writer's block is because, like, you're trying to write a particular story and you just can't figure out how to do it, I think... Free writing is always really helpful for me. Like, you know, you know, by free writing, I just mean just writing anything. Like, how did your day go? What What are you going to do later today? Um, what was the last conversation you had with a friend or your parents? Um, there's also... There's also, like, I also find writing prompts to sometimes be really helpful. And you can just Google writing prompts. There's a million of them on the internet, Mm -hmm. whether you're writing fiction or nonfiction. And sometimes just having that can sort of, like, shake the cobwebs (laughs) loose a little bit. Um, And I find that really helpful. I also do, and there have been, like, studies on this, but allowing yourself time to... Just have your mind be blank, aka daydreaming. Mm -hmm. Um, I think is also super helpful. I have like, there's a reason why people say I have my best ideas in the shower. You know, it's because you're you're not doing anything else. You're not focused on anything else. You're not trying to produce anything. You're allowing your mind to wander. Um, And so I find often like if I take a walk and like don't look at my phone. Or sometimes in, I take a restorative yoga class mm-hmm. um, once a week, like when I'm in town, and I find that oftentimes I'll come up with ideas during that class because it's just, it's basically like, it's almost napping, <laughs> but it's like, you know, it's like meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think anything you can do to really just allow your mind to be open um, is going to help you
1: that's I absolutely love that that's such a good point because you're right like I I'm the same way my I feel like all my best ideas come when I'm you know walking my dogs or going for a run or like in a place where you you can't be staring at your phone and and uh, you know like trying to, you know, there's like a running, uh, there's like a meme or somebody tweeted something recently where it's like, I can't seem to fall asleep or think of any new ideas, I say, as I'm staring at my phone that's projecting, you know, information directly at my face brightly. And it's like, if you just allow yourself to kind of shut down for a while, I I think that's such great advice. Um, Did you take any writing retreats or anything like that to kind of get away and like get a new scenery around you for for doing some writing? Yeah,
0: I mean, I didn't, I didn't do any, like, official ones. Yeah. I um, kind of made my own, and um, I I would say also, like, if you are writing and you either didn't have the foresight to apply to a writing retreat or um, didn't get into a writing retreat or, you know, you didn't get into one that's, that's paid for and you can't afford one, etc. Um, I think, like, calling on the generosity of your friends <laughs> like, always like, you should at least try. Like I did that. I was basically like, does anyone have anywhere that I can <laughs> Um And one of my friends was like, Oh, my family has a house in Santa Fe. You can totally stay there for as long as you want. Um, like stuff like that. And like, not everyone is going to have a friend who has a house in Santa Fe, but like someone right. might have a friend in another city that has a guest room or a guest house, or they're going to be gone for a couple weeks. Like it doesn't have to be a particularly like romantic or inspiring place. Mm -hmm. I think just having a change of scenery can be super helpful. Um, So I did that. And I also, I did like an Airbnb cabin in Joshua tree for a few days. And I actually found Santa Fe and Joshua tree to be, really beautiful and really not that productive like, I, <laughs> I thought um, I got some stuff done like I don't want to say it was a total waste of time mm-hmm. but I was super lonely I was there by myself in both places kind of isolated um, there was nowhere to walk to in either place um, I wasn't really there. Were, I wasn't around people I knew or even really around people um, and Overwhelming. The most productive time away, which might sound a little counterintuitive, but it was when I spent four days in Vegas <laughs> by myself. Um, and if you can take that time, the nice thing about Vegas is that there's a million hotel rooms. And especially if you go during the week when there's not a convention there, mm-hmm. the hotels are super cheap. So um, I went by myself. I stayed there. What I liked about that was that I could be alone, but around people. Mm-hmm. And I realized that that is, like, what I needed to be most productive. <laughs> um, and I actually had my most productive, like, stretch of
1: time mm-hmm. when I was there. I So I have to say, just peek behind the curtain. I And I told you this in an email before, and I'm going to ask you about this in a second. But I'm familiar with your work in addition to BuzzFeed, as well as I... I am a big fan of all of your husband's podcasts, but I think I heard you say that on another show or something, and I remember being blown away because I just got back from Las Vegas, and uh-huh. the and the idea of being productive there, I I give you all of the kudos in the world because and and I get it, you're right. Like if you isolate yourself maybe during the day and and get some work done and then kind of go out later or whatever it is, or I I get what you're saying, but just. I guess the four days I spent there were the exact opposite of going for work and I'm just, I'm completely blown away that you have the self-restraint to be able to go to Las Vegas and say I'm going to get work done and actually accomplish it. So I am in <laughs> awe of that.
0: Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I, I
1: was super, super productive. <laughs> yeah, <that's, Okay. laughs> that is amazing. Um, so in addition to working for BuzzFeed and writing a book you also have Uh, a really wonderful podcast with your husband. And I don't know how much information you want to give our listeners, but would you mind telling people a little bit about it? Because it's actually how I was able to connect with you.
0: Yeah, sure. So it's called um, Matt and Dory's excellent Adventure. That's (laughs) E-G-G. And it is about our attempt to make a baby using science. Um, We found out about a year ago that we were going to have to do IVF Um, to have a child, and so in October of last year, we started this podcast to kind of chronicle our journey, and to, I guess, like, inject a degree of normalcy and levity into what can be a very emotional and overwhelming and fraught and expensive situation, Um, so yes, we've been doing it for, I guess, about seven months now, once a week. And um it's been great. I mean, we've met people like Adam. Um, <laughs> we've we've met a ton of people. Um, we have a really great Facebook group going. Um And it's just been really nice, like, one thing that I love, and I say this on the podcast all the time, but, like, whenever anyone writes in with a situation or question or problem that we don't really know how to answer or we're not familiar with, whenever we throw it out to our audience, we immediately get at least one, usually more, emails or voicemails from people who are like, I went through that. So it's a really nice way of just showing that, like, none of us is truly alone and you know, all of these situations that we find ourselves in, um, someone else is going through it, too.
1: And I just have to tell you, I like I mentioned when you know we were emailing back and forth, like I found out about your podcast when your husband, who admittedly has been I have been listening to his podcast, I think, since podcast existed, he's been doing it. You know, forever, And he said that, you know, the two of you are going to do this type of podcast. And I just love the idea. And you guys talk about this on your podcast a little bit that, you know, it's it's not for just people who are trying to do the same thing and are trying to have children through IVF. I you know, my wife and I aren't interested in having kids, but I listened to every single episode because it's so informative. And like you said, you you do this really wonderful job of kind of breaking the stigma that this has to be something that is incredibly private you can you know get answers from other people and um i just i do love how responsive you guys are and how great it is that you've created this community and i know that i'm not giving you much with much to work with in this the form of a question but i just wanted to tell you that you know i i love what you guys are doing and i think it's such a wonderful thing that people should definitely check out
2: yeah.
1: so um how has your experience been doing you know book tours and, and events for the first time, being on sort of the other side of the promotional car wash when it comes to press and interviews and, and stuff like this, as opposed to spotlighting other people?
0: Yeah, um, it's been weird. I mean, I'm more used to it now, but when I first started, it was definitely a little strange to be on the other side and to you know be talking about yourself so much um, and to think, oh, people are interested in what I have to say. so <laughs> weird. Um, So I actually think that doing the podcast in a way prepared me a little bit for it because you know we are talking about ourselves a lot Mm -hmm. and we had done a couple of interviews for the podcast and been on a couple other podcasts um, before the book came out and that was like a little preview. Um, I mean it's been really cool like it's amazing that so many people have been so interested in the book and interested in the topic and interested in me and what I have to say. And so that's been really amazing. Um, and the tour has been great. Like I've, you know, there hasn't, you you hear so many horror stories from, especially from first time (laughs) authors where they're like, I went to this reading and one person showed up. (laughs) Yeah. or no one showed up and so of course as a first-time author you have that in your mind of like well I'm you know just like I'm bound to have one like really shitty reading Mm -hmm. and knock on wood that hasn't happened yet (laughs) Um, everywhere we've gone I've had at least 30 to 40 people which is great Um, a lot of people come up from the podcast which is amazing Um, and that's like, that's really nice because we like, we're not, we're not like touring the podcast or Mm -hmm. anything. So, um, especially when I was on the East coast, Matt came to all of, almost all of the events on the East coast. And then he came to the LA events. So the people who came to those events, it was, you know, they got to meet me, they got to meet Matt. It was, I think that was really cool. Um, but you know, it's also like overwhelming and exhausting and, um, I've basically been on the road for the last month, and now I'm back at work, so I'm trying to sort of juggle a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And, um, but you know, I also like to say that like I would rather feel overwhelmed and busy and exhausted because I'm doing all this touring and all these interviews than, like, not feel this way because I'm not doing any touring or any interviews. So it's all good stuff. It's just, like, a
1: lot. Yeah. No, I, before we started recording, I I said the same thing. Like, I'm going kind of all over the place for work and otherwise over the next couple weeks, and just doing it for a few weeks, I I can't imagine the, you know, the mental exhaustion you go through. But like you said, it's a good problem to have to have people... Yeah, want to hear from you so yeah but but still i there's days where i'm just sitting here like man i really wish i missed my bed i wish i was with, in my bed <laughs> um so towards the end of our podcast we do what we like to call the nerd nine just because we like alliteration um okay. they're just nine we call them rapid fire questions they usually don't end up being that way but these are very light-hearted so the first one is just what's the last book that you finished
0: last book that I finished was oh my god I just read something on my Kindle <laughs> <laughs> um I know that I recently read The Arrangement by Sarah Dunn mm-hmm. and um god, this is so embarrassing no, I
1: that's okay I don't
0: think that was the last one that I read mm-hmm.
1: um, we can go we can go with that if that's the one you want to go um, work to me
0: you know what? I think that was the last one that I finished because I'm I'm in the middle of reading two different books right now, but I haven't actually finished them. So I think I think The Arrangement was the last one that I actually finished.
1: What are the two that you're reading now? I'm just curious.
0: Um, I'm reading The Night Manager, the John le Carré yes. book. Yes. Um, and I'm also reading Nick Bilton's new
1: book, American Kingpin. Nice. Um, yeah. What is your favorite place to read?
0: Um. I, well, I, I do most of my reading in bed before I go to sleep, but mm. I do really like reading in my living room.
1: Uh, do you have a guilty pleasure? Like, mine is... I, my Instagram is just way too many photos of my two dogs.
0: <laughs> well, I would never call my dog a guilty pleasure. <laughs> uh, my dog is a pleasure. Um, no, I mean, I honestly, I don't really love the term guilty pleasure because, mm-hmm. like, I don't think... I don't think you should ever feel guilty about anything that brings you pleasure.
1: That's a, that's a perfectly acceptable <laughs> no. answer. Um, I know that we were just talking about how you've been traveling all over the, the place and are exhausted about it, but what's one place you'd like to travel that you have not yet been to?
0: Um, I've never been to Southeast Asia, and I would like to go to Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, Thailand, Thailand. Um, either on one big trip or a few smaller trips. Uh, I just don't know when that's going to happen, <laughs> but I would really like to go to that area of the world.
1: Uh, do you have a favorite holiday?
0: Um, I really love Thanksgiving and Passover, which in my mind are, like, kind of the same. Yeah. Um, I'm Jewish, and so I love a holiday that, like, gets family together and you have a big meal um that's not focused around gifts. I, I like gifts, but yeah. There's something nice about just getting together for the sake of getting together and you know, Passover also obviously has like a whole historical resonance and meaning, but like at its core to me at least it's it's a big
1: you know, family get together. Yeah. No, I, I have to tell you, those are my two answers always as well, because my my father's side of the family is Jewish. So to oh, yeah. me, to me, Passover for us. Was always, you know, while we're doing the reading and everything, it was more like a comedy hour because all my uncles, like, no one would take it very seriously. So it just turned into, like, this big feast where everyone was kind of insulting each other. And I have the fondest (laughs) memories of, you're absolutely right. Like, there were no gifts or anything like that. It was just getting together to make fun of each other and eat some incredible food.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly.
1: I think I know the answer to these next two, but are you a coffee or a tea person?
0: I definitely drink a ton of coffee but i also do enjoy tea so i'm a both
1: okay person. and then cats or dogs uh, dog i mean is...
0: i'm allergic to cats so besides just not really like vibing with cats <laughs> so much um, i also
1: don't like I, I'm allergic to them so. well dogs is the right answer my, my, uh, my co-host who's not with us today is a cat lady and I am a dog person so dogs <laughs> is the right answer um, <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite food? oh favorite
0: food um, I mean it's really boring but I do really love ice cream no. I don't
1: that works. <laughs> um, and then the last one, if you could have dinner with one person, alive or dead, who would you choose?
0: Um, probably Oprah.
1: That's a really good answer. <laughs>
0: She's just so fascinating. I mean, look, I don't have to justify why
1: I'm having dinner No, with Oprah, so. you really don't, yeah. <laughs> Oprah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then just our last question for you before I let you go. What do you hope readers take away from reading Startup?
0: that there's like a message to the book necessarily but i think that any book that helps you think about the world maybe in a different way or helps you think more critically about the world um is is a good book and i hope that people feel that after reading my book
1: that's perfect dory thank you so much for joining us today thanks for having me this
0: is so fun Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. plus.